actually. What was the difference in those two? Apparently, you're supposed to hold your hands together after you clap. Uh, for mental health, or the people don't even know what clapping is because I always edit that out. Okay. But it's like a. It's sort of like in the classic movies when you do the. Yeah. The idea is, you're supposed to match up the frame where the hands touch. So easy jumping off point, and you start in the sync. audio and video. Makes a ton of sense. That's what the the clapper is for. The clapper. What's the actual? Is, do you know the name of that? Tool? I think they call it a clapper, but okay. there's probably an original name that it's more relevant. Or um, are they still using that on sets? I think so. Well, I mean, they definitely do the frame. When you film like a movie, you do frame take scene one, take one, scene one, take two, and you hold like a placard up so it's easier for the editors to go through. Maybe AI will change this or something. But do you rem- do you know that tweeter story? I don't remember what the origin is of the kid who asked their parent why they printed uh, why they three D printed the save icon because the kid saw a floppy disk for the first time. The one that I think is most interesting that maybe we will never have happen because the name has persisted thus far is the phone. Right. The well, phone. do you know this thing about where pe- people say, you know how we put do like a kind of shock a hand up to the ear because it's like a flip phone. And apparently, I, don't, I haven't seen this happen, that, yes, that the young people no are just putting... No way. The, the very no, young no, no, are just real. putting a hand up to their ear to signal Well, so call. the question is... we. Every generation, it would seem, the joke about millennials and certainly Gen Z is that we don't get on the phone. Gen Alpha, maybe, maybe it will, the pendulum will switch back, but I don't think so. In which case, when are we going to stop calling this this the phone? Like, will the iPhone just become the like the i15? Or wait, we're already at 15. What number are we yeah, at? Yeah. It's a question of will the, word of will the word phone evolve to mean something different than the... I mean, the computer has taken on like a lot of different lives. There's a word for this that represents when uh, I'll have to edit it in or something, but there's a word that represents where the representation of, you know what I think this is, is uh, that movie, that Charlie Kaufman movie. Synecdoche, New York. Yes. Synecdoche? Schenectady. Syne- <laughs> no, I don't I'm, gonna, think... I'm actually going to look it up because I want to know. Synecdoche. Synecdoche is a word that represents where like this, the small part of a thing can represent the whole. A figure of speech in which a part is made to represent the whole or vice versa, as in Cleveland won by six runs, meaning Cleveland's baseball team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's exactly the same, but it feels connected, which is that we call it a phone. It is way more than a phone. It's not a perfect metaphor, but I do think there's something there. And I almost wonder if there's a similar word for the save file being represented in this anti- antiquated version of the metaphor cold opens you you mentioned uh editing words in after does this new device you have i i guess we had a conversation about the cost of the microphones which was astounding uh we, we got us we got a second 50 dollars one yes no headphones this time though no i have headphones it came These with headphones both, again a lot of people wear headphones when they do this i know so, it's so i mean our, our setup isn't like that inspiring but some of these podcast setups are fucking brutal these it's like the nerdiest, most internet. Yeah. Setup. Adam Faze is really anti this. He's like, he's like the whole headset. You can see the mic. Seeing seeing the mic actually, I think is like the lamest thing. When like if I'm on a Zoom call and someone has a mic, oh, that's me. I hate but it. I was talking to a friend this morning, and he was saying that the podcast clip format is so watchable on TikTok. There's something about the sort of like two people having a conversation, call her daddy, whatever. I suspect this is a visual cue 
that at least when you're seeing that visual, that feed tells you what the content should be. I, I like the idea that we have to like do things for the, the, the dumb, to appeal to the dumb brain. But that's not just appealing to the dumb brain. It's similar to, it's an imperfect example. When you see a man on the street interview, you know what you're going to kind of, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get cool, random serendipity. Yeah. I, and to, to the point where people have their own brand. So I see that guy with the beanie and the headphones at Astor Place to do the song. And I'm like, oh, it's the so- guess the song guy. I have love this him? guy. Never in person. Yeah. Do you, uh, would you want to do that? No. Because it would be embarrassing. Getting I, it wrong is so I, embarrassing. I'm, it's clear that he picks it in a way that's catering to you and your tastes, but I'm just bad at this. And I don't, I'm not proud of my, the range of my music taste. Although if he's, re- if he's really good at it, he probably, you're right. He probably you would does. be a great guest for it. You should I'm, go I'm pretty bad at remembering the names of songs. What about artists? Artists, I'm decent at. I think at. it's just guess the artist. I don't uh, think it's guess the song. Well, we failed that together yesterday, uh, yesterday morning, we thought. We thought it was the Beatles and it was the Kinks. Yeah. It sounded, well, I, I was like, this is not a Beatles song, but it sounds a lot you like know, You know every Beatles song? Mm. I mean, you know every Beatles song that would play in a hotel lobby that was... I definitely know... I have heard every Beatles album through at least two or three times, but probably a lot more than that. It, my mind, Where my mind went was this could be... It doesn't sound like Wings, but it could be like a post-70s, 80s Paul song, and it was the Kinks. But I really liked it. It was sitting in a hotel room. Yeah, that's funny. That that was a very meta, meta song choice. Um, I saw a a debate on not a debate a com- there was a, the this morning's Blackbird spy plane was about alarm clocks and not sleeping with your phone. Someone had asked on like one of their chat forums. I don't. I think their chat oh, forum yeah, was just yeah. a, a a comment section. Blackbird um, spy plane is a newsletter about style, which I found out also this week. It started in May 2020, which is crazy. Wow. I mean, he's also. Yes, that's amazing, but also he's like an incredible writer who has written long form columns for like every major newspaper. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just like- so canonical at this point that I yeah. assumed it had been around a little bit longer. Although, um, yeah, and and there was a conversation about um, alarm clocks, and he recommended or was sharing, you know, what he uses and the one he's found found in Japan, and I, I realized well, I don't know that we've ever spoken about how you get up in the morning but i think it's with your phone right i the the people know we had a fairly successful clip about morning and night people yeah viral uh (laughs) and i have tried a lot of things needless to say it is very hard for me to get up in the morning the only truly successful alarm i have is i am meeting someone else and i will let them down if i don't show up my current setup is my phone is on my bedside, or not my bedside, my a table in my room, but not by my bedside, mm-hmm. plugged in. I have, I sometimes just use the alarm on that, so I have to get up. I have reali- recently realized that I can say, hey Siri, snooze, oh, wow. so it's you're broken. Get, you're getting smarter. Yeah. Uh, the, the animal's learning. And then I, on this website called Flip, I had a bunch of free credits, and I got this sunrise alarm clock. Lofty? No, I have the Lofty. My mom got me that years ago. I've tried it, most of these. Um, I've tried the things where you have to do a math problem and take a picture of a photo in another room. I've tried it all. Wait, wait, wait. Do a math problem? Mm-hmm. That's temporary, right? That can't work every day. Yeah, it didn't work. I did it, and I would go back to sleep. 
Uh, That's like what you were saying about your high school, where you just have to wake up at 7 a.m. for what was that? Calculus at 7 a.m. Yes. Uh, The new one is a like it literally is so bright that it's like the sun is risen. Wow. And it has some really good music. I don't love the. I could find the brand. I don't love the design. Like it's really. In order to reset the time, the whole thing has to like run. So it'll be like 12:30. I'm trying to go to sleep, and it's like glaringly bright while I'm trying to set the alarm. Hmm. But it is, it's the most pleasant waking up I've had in a long, long time. I just switched. Well, I've been on Sonos for a while, which is actually my preferred alarm because it's decidedly phoneless. So you, Wait, have, so you have a Sonos speaker that will play Sonos a Sonos speaker that ha- you can select many things. So I have... Maybe I should try that. I've rotated through a lot. Uh, lately, I've been on this like quiet focus, which is ambient music as my wake up. So I, I usually don't wake up for maybe two minutes. It's been going on. And then it, it's so it's really gentle, and then I let it play as I start my morning. So I kind of have like cool. ambient music playing in the background. I've done a few different ones. I have some playlists uh, on the weekends. The I ambient use, when this thing goes for thirty minutes, and I don't wake up until it's done. I mean, I have meaning it's playing music and getting brighter and brighter and brighter for thirty minutes, and I don't wake up until the very end when my phone alarm on the other side of the room is going off. It's not surprising that it's easier for me to wake up, but I. You can set it to anything. Like I, I have on the weekend to an Herb Sundays playlist that I really like. It gets a little. You start to resent the songs that you hear that wake you up. Um, but you can shuffle it, and I have a playlist of tracks on SoundCloud that I like that are good for waking up. I have one. I don't know. It's not not that easy to do. Um, Spotify. Sometimes I have NTS Radio wake me up. Uh, but I think I think cycling through is key. Because you one the song gets ruined. It's like that. What's that Vampire Weekend song that came yeah, out first A-punk. in the car? Yeah. yeah. And then two is I would just get used to the songs and they would be a part of my dreams. So I need to like cycle through different sounds. You can do a different one for each day because I I have a I have a different alarm on Wednesdays which we can get to. But I should get a um, Sonos. I don't have one. We had Sonos. I, I I like I like Sonos a lot. I mean I at some point would like like something a little bit more hi-fi. You mentioned Flip and actually I just thought of Flip for the first time. 10 minutes before we started recording because I was in your bathroom and, you know, just browsing to see what products you have <laughs> as one does. And I saw you have the salt and stone natural deodorant and I had opened flip like a week ago Okay. and it opened, you know how it, op- it opens into like the TikTok feed. This is a, like a TikTok shopping app. TikTok shopping app that has one of the most bonkers referral programs you've ever seen in your life. I, I think I... A thousand dollars? Maybe fifteen hundred. I got fifteen hundred dollars of referrals. I furnished much of my apartment. Oh, and those all went through? Those all went through. Because I referred a ton of people, but if they didn't spend the free money, I didn't get the free money, so I only got like a hundred bucks. I followed up with all those people. The people. Make sure you... I'm like, you can order yourself a candle and I get eighty bucks, you get eighty bucks. Like, this is, this a, is a no-brainer. No-brainer. I mean, for now, maybe maybe they'll steal something from us in the future. They have your address. They have my what? They have your address. Yeah. StockX pro- leaked everybody's addresses a few years ago. Really? Yeah. They the StockX customer base is probably uh, definitely barbell. But I was gonna say <laughs> this is about to be very high horse. Okay. So, um, you- so I was I, I opened uh, Flip the other day and a video a TikTok uh, type video pops up and some girl like she I think the first line she says like y'all I have never smelt this bad in my life. And I didn't realize you can do negative reviews for the products. And, and it was she, my and deodorant. It was the salt and stone, that's what's the name of that deodorant. Yeah. She's like, I, I literally cannot believe the smells that are coming out of my body. It's the worst I've ever smelled in my life. And then I was thinking about natural deodorant. 
people in the comments were like, same, 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 everybody, same. Like this is, but some people were saying it actually, your body takes your body a little bit of time to get used to it. Mm. When I had switched to natural deodorant, I also was experiencing that. What makes that. it natural? Uh, no, definitely no aluminum. Okay. No aluminum is the big thing. I was an Old Spice, the blue Old Spice guy forever. Yeah, yeah. And I still use that at the gym. I switched to this recently. I don't... I, the issue I have with it is it runs out in like 20 days. Yeah, yeah. The, that old, the Old Spice shit literally goes until you forever. lose it. Forever. Until you're on it. And I, I've been... For a while, I had several years. This is TMI. But I had several years where I was wearing just that, never work alone. And I would quite often have people... Not often, but fairly commonly... Have people tell me I smelled good. Mm. Yeah, that stuff smells. smells but now good. I don't get it as much. I I switched to uh, the Arm and Hammer. That's what it's called, Arm and Hammer, That's the baking soda one. It's a natural. It it says it's natural. It's definitely not like natural washed the way these. It's not e-commerce natural, but it's correct. natural. And I love it. That, uh. I don't think I'll ever switch from that. The other thing about I think the blue old spice is antiperspirant as well oh, i don't I, well I, you know i don't you sweat, don't sweat. So. i sweat so that's i'm i'm less concerned about smell and more concerned about sweat antiperspirant cannot be good for you it it's makes like you gel. stop sweating mm. although apparently botox makes you stop sweating like you and is botox good for you botox is one of those like Oh, both sides agree. It's sort of like uh, the horse. It's like an aspartame thing. The, the horse. No, it's closer to the. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it is like aspartame thing, where like even the the Huberman's of the world are saying, or, or like the Soul Bra or Carnivore Aurelius are all kind of like, uh, like Do you drink ever think diet about soda. How many weird characters exist on the internet now. How many? I, like, I these worship guys? a few of them. <laughs> I mean, a few of them, a few of them. I don't even read the sources. I'm like, nope. Like this seems trustworthy. Actually. Speaking of these untrustworthy people, you sent me uh, a TikTok. You sent me the TikTok feed of Call Her Daddy to show that, like you mentioned, that these the, clips. Cli- the podcast clips. And I clicked on a random one of hers that was like, "Hot girls get you know stomach aches too" or something. And it was talking about how her stomach's been bothering her, and her doctor was like, "What if you're allergic to gluten?" And I was like, "Damn, doctors must be so happy they had they have the easiest out ever of just being like telling mm-hmm. people, oh, what if it maybe it's just gluten and like." come back I don't think it's that conscious but a friend of mine is having stomach issues and was like oh I need to go to the doctor I'm like they're gonna tell you one of three things like it is actually the bit stomach pain is this big mystery and it is such bullshit they tell you do an elimination diet or you're better off with just Tim Ferriss like stop eating bread so a friend was saying that his stomach's been bothering him he's gonna go to the doctor I'm like don't go to the doctor like actually just use ChatGPT and just say like my stomach hurts because the doctor's gonna tell you oh you have IBS which is kind of a, a made-up thing and it's not made up it's real but there's no solution to it except to find what irritates you just like onions and garlic which how the fuck can you avoid onions and garlic how many things can you say that about with regard to health though what like there's no set until we get a monitor that tells you that shows you a dashboard of what's going on in your body how much of what doctors are giving you like strate- like um, scientifically informed guesses so, and advice right interestingly google just published some research that i, I don't remember i don't it was about saving lives so it's probably not factoring in the like the hurt stomachs the tummy yeah. aches Where, but, whereas saving lives by the way feels a little bit more Saving lives, it's like your your worst option is to just go to the doctor. You get incremental improvement if you go doctor plus search, a step function better if you go doctor plus AI. And if you go AI on its own, you have the highest likelihood of saving a life. So do- by using a doctor at all, you're 
Dimin Hold on. This, who did this study? Google. Google published this research. What is AI? I assume an LLM. I know it's an LLM. Like using the whatever. So asking ChatGPT for guidance on what you should do about. It's possible the LLM they're talking about is not necessarily ChatGPT. And this is for decision making, of course. This yeah. is obviously not like a surgery, obviously, the doctors. That seems insane. Yeah, it does. But so does some of the stuff these doctors tell you, which is like this, is your stomach hurts. Have you thought maybe you're allergic to gluten? They just ask that like that, that the elimination diet is, is actually a pretty solid way to find out what upsets you, but you don't need to go to the doctor to find that out. Hmm. It's interesting to wonder about the ways that a doctor's role might change over the future in the, over the course of the future. Our, my friend Toby is doing work right now on on this premise in a let's say a little bit less grounded category of mental health and part of his frame is that it seems that mental health treatment has become a largely tribal decision going sort of back to all of our internet characters and various things that that, that whether you go to talk therapy or do reiki or i think i maybe mentioned this on a previous podcast yeah you did and so it will be interesting as one, we get way better information on our health. Hopefully, I think probably Apple is the best bet here where there's talk of maybe getting non-invasive glucose monitoring and the Apple Watch, things like that. So one hope is that we actually just get way better quote unquote analytics or information or data on our bodies. Two, these LLMs get better at being able to provide personalized recommendations at a low lift, which is I think is really what you're getting at. Maybe it sounds like the quality is there too. In which case, the doctor's role, outside of, of course, actual treatment and surgery and things like that. I mean, the surgery stuff can't be for that, that can't that be far behind. Role. Yeah, I saw Maybe. the Boston Dynamics. I saw that the SpaceX or whoever ha Elon has that robot folding a T-shirt. Oh, I, didn't see I this. don't want it doing surgery on me yet, but it's well. Close. It's probably a, a doctor supervising. Maybe there's part of a surgery where it's so precise. My point would be outside of that. Outside of that surgery. It almost feels like the doctor is role moves to more like a coach, uh, somebody who is able to help you make informed decisions and analyze the data you have in partnership with you. Because right now it's like, oh, I go to the doctor and treat them as this sort of like total authority, and then come back a year later. This is the second time, second week in a row where I've discovered the squeak of the chair you could put a different chair there i kind of like it you like the little farting i'm glad the listeners get to enjoy you this. know that feeling when you make like you're at like a dinner or something and you make uh, a chair squeak and someone's like oh is that a fart and you're like no it's a chair and then you can't replicate it i imagine that must be what it's like for the, those people like convicted of murder when they didn't do it <laughs> that's actually that's one of my biggest fears in the world wrongful con conviction of murder oh yeah the chair that, the, the no the, the like being accused of murder i watched a great movie last night that i think you'd really like tom popo made tom in popo. 1985 or 1986 um and it's called a ramen western which i love but also seemingly like a high art film or at least something that people... I think it's high art because it's old and Japanese and it was restored for like the movie crowd. Um, What's the difference between movie and Criterion Collection? Great, great question. Uh, movie does distribution as well. 
I more meant in terms of vibe. No, I think it's they're a package deal. Mm. If you have Criterion, you're you have a movie too. That's something we should ask Dan because I feel like Dan's way more Criterion collection. Yes, and Laz is way more movie. Movies like at more uh, digital and okay younger. Like, when we watched. Dan, that movie at dance there was fast forwarding involved or rewinding that was criterion <laughs> we've made clips and my sense is based on the last couple episodes we actually have some pretty good moments where it's funny it's it's laughter but the clip exercise is is a challenge and so my friend was trying to help me understand like what does it take and he's like you really have to enter strong this could be a clip <laughs> Put it in. Just put it in. I mean, is there anything more illustrative of our position in the world than a 3 p.m. podcast recording <laughs> during the week the that has the sound of laundry in the background? It's not my laundry, though. Um, it's the housekeepers. <laughs> <laughs> the point was, I watched these clips, and literally, it is made as though the viewer is like a little hamster that just needs like tidbits of dopamine. Not like, our viewer though. Our, one of ours. Yeah, maybe our viewer is more sophisticated, but she literally, she opens with some crazy question and then the, it's like, what kind of pets do you have? And the guy starts naming pets and it's like listing emojis of like giant emojis filling the screen, popping up like, and I'm like, how am I gonna compete with this? Yeah, the that's- people need their their little their little brains. Boop 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 pop did, pop. Did you see this Trump video? No, it's not. It's not a new Trump video. There's a new Biden video. It's sort of his Mitch McConnell moment. It's not a freezing of sort of per what se. What is a Mitch McConnell moment? You know when Mitch Mitch McConnell froze. Oh yeah, it was like it was, that. Biden's had a lot of those. I, um, was his first Mitch. He McConnell. had a pretty good one last night where it's a little. <laughs> and it basically, yeah, it's it's that face you're making that like aw, like it's not night, it's not cute. No. And someone put it side by side with a a Trump doing a little beep bop beep boop, and, <laughs> and then you get. Uh, yeah, I saw some, some the the memes about it were great. A lot of like you know dream or like nightmare blunt rotations. It is Trump's only like two years younger than Biden too, which is what makes. Uh, Isaac Saul wrote about this that, or he shared something about it that, because Trump is not in the national media and because the national media has decided to sort of like shun coverage of Trump as to not platform him. We're not seeing that actually there is a cognitive decline um, because he's, we basically haven't really heard from him. I only really see his like amazing moments of comedy because people I know are like ironically posting it. It's like by the time it gets to us, it's the, it's like the funniest of the funniest, Mm -hmm. but you're, he, he mixed up um, the person he's running against. What's her name? Um, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley and the Pocahontas one, uh, Elizabeth (laughs) Warren. He, what? he completely mixed uh, mix them up and you know that would be a thing we'd expect from Sleepy Joe but what's the Pocahontas thing? that she claimed to be Native American and he nicknamed her Pocahontas she's like point zero. really funny yeah he's the best nickname giver of all time oh there's an idea that a friend of mine had Jacob Horn he has this like meme format which is basically any symbol or idea or even potentially you you could put at the center of this sort of like it's like a the atom with the concentric circles sort of like jimmy neutron Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so you could imagine the american flag at the center of the circle or uh andrew at the center of the circle and the idea is you fill in all of the is andrew not at the center of the circle he's certainly at the center of your circle 
And you fill in all of the, it's similar to the Venn diagram idea, but what are all of like the spokes on the wheel mm-hmm. that make up you or an idea or, or you could even imagine like, what if you put the work you want to do at the center of that circle? Or what does it feel like for me to be creative? What are the inputs for creativity? I thought it was a useful sort of like fill in the ideas. And it's also useful for understanding broader things like these symbols or ideas or memes or whatever that we think about. What's the most American thing? It's actually like the flag. And granted, the interpretation of the flag can be different for different people. What are the foundational myths you believe about an idea or about yourself? Yeah. Uh, Trump's biggest win, I would say, is that he reclaimed the flag. He somehow got the flag to associate with himself, which is pretty remarkable. Did Um, he, or uh, to me, it seems like the flag is more of just a right-wing, conservative, That's not what it should be, though. As someone with liberal values who loves this country, like... But most liberals, most liberals don't love this country. I think it's sort of like, uh, it's it's a tension of uh, making it... We can love it and want to make it better, but they don't talk about it that way. Totally. This this goes back to that, I thought, really excellent Nate Silver post you shared a few weeks ago. Uh, Noah Smith? No, it was Nate Silver. Maybe you didn't share it with me? The one about the three parties? Yeah, the, the one about sort of like liberalism versus leftism, and I could have sworn that was Nate Silver. I thought it was Noah Smith. One of them wrote a really good piece. I like both of them. And the essence of it was that increasingly liberalism, as we've traditionally or historically defined it, and leftism are are shifting. And maybe my claim would be leftists particularly, or at least much of the sort of what you consider liberal-minded, democratic people, there is way less pride. And even there's potential pressure against taking pride in nationalism nationalistic ideas pride in america and i I think to your point that's a really that's a bummer but it's not surprising thus that the american flag is represented it's a huge win for trump honestly i I want the flag back and without it being associated with him like can i wear can i get a big red american flag hat for your wall or yeah no for for my everyday that doesn't say like some version of like make new york transportation work again or something stupid like that um but it's just like taking back the flag yeah the flag is not have you taken anything back in your life that's been taken from you a future version of you will take the mornings back which i'm excited about first you're gonna have to give but then you'll be able to take were mornings taken from me not yet but we need them we're aren't we kind of working in that direction so that you have something that makes the morning a little bit more urgent for you the morning and I are in a complicated, distant relationship, but mm. I don't know if they were taken from me. It's a good question. What are you trying to take back? I took back Sundays at one point, which is, I think, the name of a band, Taking Back Sundays. Um, I took back Sundays, and I would recommend that to every single person in my life, which is to never say the words Sunday Scaries ever. And if you have the Sunday Scaries, to quit your Monday the cause of the Sunday scaries. That's much easier said than done. The other thing is quitting fantasy football. Just football, watching football in general. I think having one team is okay. That's an interesting prompt, which is just where are you giving large chunks, consistent chunks of your life non-deliberately? It reminds me of the Danny Kahneman thing where he talked about, uh, I think James Clear highlighted this, where he said he would never say yes to anything on the phone. Because he realized he liked to please people and he would just oh, say wow. yes to things. I think there's probably lots of areas like that where 
the other thing this reminds me of is this essay I really like where it's like things you do, things you're allowed to do, and he just kind of goes through from first principles on like all of the things that you like normally wouldn't let yourself do or let yourself spend money on, but you can do. And it's like not a perfect example of this, but one of them was just like reach out if you're not that social and you want to be more social, reach out to all your acquaintances and say like I'm trying to leave my house more. Can you please invite me to things when you go to them? It's a little awkward to do, but you're allowed to do that. And yeah. I think that you're allowed to not have tomorrow be the day that you... It feels a little unfair for me to pick on this because I'm not a football guy, but you don't actually have to spend eight hours of your Saturday, Sunday every week. I, I suspect we all have things that we do out of obligation or because it's normal or because we think we like and enjoy them. Yeah, th- that's the big thing with taking things back is you if you know that there's a better version, it's easier, but sometimes it... I, I mean, I don't know what it would take for most people who play who are still doing fantasy football to quit fantasy football and that, for, for some people it's a, a huge source of joy so i don't want to knock that i don't i actually don't i, I do want to knock that i'm I already think, the guy in my friend group who's doing this so i'm, I'm not gonna i just i think those people can find joy elsewhere i'm certain of it in fact pick a team root for that team watch every single team go to the bar to watch the your team with other people but don't sit on your don't give away your whole sunday to to watch like some guy who might ruin where your, are you doing this and where am i doing this um, What's what? my fantasy football? Well, kind of, like, it's it's sort of like the low hanging fruit, right? I mean, it's another silly version of this is like, am I gonna keep scrolling or am I gonna read or do any call someone? Yeah, like so. I, I maybe the the more interesting question is, what are the things that I'm more subject to? Like, wh- where have I not seen that I have things in my life that are again, it's easy for you and I to sit and criticize fantasy football because we're not into it great no i hey i I used to be i mean like i I get it yeah so we're here okay i hear that there's such a thing as technology and podcasts yeah so and movies i don't know if you know this we have a podcast jackson and i have a podcast this is our fifth episode (laughs) (laughs) what is this podcast called it's called is this that podcast no this is it yes this is it okay you are our first i'm gonna make sure i i build new more additional secrets that you don't know about continue please do this podcast is called it has a name as of episode three and it is called active interrupting oh that's good yeah that's good what did you think you were here for (laughs) i mean you knew we were doing a podcast but what did what was the sorry dan do you want to introduce yourself this is Uncle Dan. I'm We're clearly Uncle Dan. quite professional here the, uh, at Active Interrupting. Uncle Dan is our first guest. He's my uncle. It's, um, it's your first guest. It's your first uncle. It's my first podcast. My favorite one of my dad's brothers. Your favorite one, only one of your dad's brothers. <laughs> and uh, Jackson and you have become close through our daily ritual of playing Framed, which is Wordle for movies, framed.wtf. We have a group text for Framed. That yes. is a highlight of my digital life. As it is my morning, every morning I do it and I say, I've done this too early, but it's all good. <laughs> and you have, uh, for a while, you had a troubling relationship with the group <laughs> because you didn't like ha- that we were surprised we hadn't seen movies. Oh, I've learned a lot about many things within this group. I've learned about myself. I've learned about movies. <laughs> I've learned about the difference between objectivity, subjectivity, generational knowledge, interest, etc. Almost every everyone in the group other than you is someone within one or two years of age of us. 
Yes. So we have a very clear... And if you were much older, I could say, and then there's Maud, because that was a very famous sitcom song. And so, and then there's me. So, yeah. Wow. So you're all 30-ish, and I'm approaching... You just said you're 50th. No, there. 90. I'm uh, approaching 90. You look amazing. Thank you. Yes, that's um, the game. You look amazing for 50 as well. And I was at your birthday. Uh, 50. Dinner. Happy. We're going happy, with 50. Happy yeah. birthday. Thank you. Um, you guys have. A, are you guys oh, the right. same sign? We we were big a big. Um, oh. What's that called? Uh, astrology. We're big a big astrology podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have a lot. It's actually kind what's of our main bir- lane. What's your birthday? December third. Can you go a little closer to the mic then? Or we could bring the mic to you. <laughs> this is a serious podcast. We're learning. We're getting into our groove. Okay. First off, I think it's important for the people to get a little bit of background on you and films. You, I've met people in my life who have more film knowledge, probably most notably Drew Casper, who taught intro to cinema at USC for about 100 years. He's, I think he might still be there. I'm not sure. But other than him and other people whose job at literally Leonard Malton, people like that, you have by far the most comprehensive film knowledge and maybe even passion of anyone I know. Well, I love films. I've been loving them for a long time and I've been uh, enjoying them for a long time. Where did it start or what can you remember about? Okay. So I, I, I saw movies always as a, as a kid um, and like the gene in me that's more Aquarius responded to, um, you know, the musical and the artistic and the fantasy and all the, all that jazz. And then, um, when I, in 1977, Fred Zinneman, iconic film director, he, his movie Julia came out with with the very glamorous Jane Fonda, miscast but brilliant as an <laughs> Lillian Hellman who was ugly, and Vanessa Redgrave, shockingly brilliant, and Jason Robards. And anyhow, and I was like, this is a grown-up movie and I'm a grown-up. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I was like, oh, I like grown-up movies. That was oh, like when you, that was your film, like I'm into film, I'm not into movies, I'm into film. Right. And I had seen grown-up films before then i didn't fully like my mom took me to see alice doesn't live here anymore i think when they had a fight my mom and my dad and i saw cabaret uh when i was a child um but but i I remember seeing julia i'm like oh film Hmm. was did it feel particularly aligned with your taste or the beginning of your taste or was it just the first film that felt like wow, this is something mature um, and interesting. It was, it was um, about substantive issues. It was about another place in time. It was great acting, directing, editing, costume, you know, cinematography, score, and it was just a transportive. Like it wasn't just escape. It was like. Real engagement, full engagement. Totally. Yeah, I mean, look, I love escape, and I love like getting fully engaged in a substantive film. And uh, what? What about? I need it? someone to take like 
shorthand of what I'm saying, so I can. We have look. AI for that. We have. Yeah, time. yeah. So and and you know any any good film is going to be entertaining on some level. What's most important about it, either within your taste or just broadly for you, for oh, a film man. to be something you really love? Or, or, or maybe an easier question might simply be, what are the aspects of films historically that you love? I'm not going to sing because I didn't warm up. I love, okay, a friend, a friend of mine was freaking out um, because she was telling me how she hated After Sun because, and I won't scream it like the way she screamed it, because it wasn't about anything or not, no, no, nothing happened. Yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, just be nice. And I said at the time, because I'm getting a little better at these moments, I'm like, oh, no, I liked it. Today. And then afterwards, I thought, happened. I'm like, I don't need things to happen. <laughs> I need character. I need mm. relationship. I need theme. Mm. I need screenplay. I need performances. I need direction. Don't bang on the table. We're going coast to coast. <laughs> and I mean, I don't, I mean, except for certain kinds of things, I don't need plot. Yeah. in abundance my sweet spot and i've said this a million times is a character driven um film a, a comedy with pathos um and or you know a film that's about something but it's not the something is not in the forefront hmm. it's not like it's, it's in it's in the it's in the background it's just about the characters and, and the, and the situation, blah, blah. Yeah. It seems today, one of the, there's, there's definitely a broader feeling that I think we think about sometimes and talk about, which is that people watch fewer movie, movies these days for a lot of reasons. But one of them is that sitting down for two hours with something that especially isn't maybe the other side of what you were describing, which is super plot heavy. My, my friend Dylan, he, he's, he loves uppers is what he calls them. Like movies that are really kind of, kind of grab you and, and keep you there the whole time. It, my suspicion is that what you've described is less common in film these days and probably more common in television. Have you noticed any of that or? Um, you mean character driven, thematically strong, blah, blah. There's the bottom line is for anyone who loves movies, no matter what kind of movies you love, if you can be fully engaged, that's a home run. That's part of it for me. I mean, it, to be to make to force myself into being engaged with something, anything. Well, and movies are the medium that get me to to engage. Right. I mean, you know, you want you want to have your heart opened, and you want to have your mind opened, and you want to have you know, to be t transported. Sometimes you want to learn something. You want, you want to be moved. Is that the oh. Nicole Kidman speech? No, <laughs> because otherwise if it were, I would be taking long pauses <laughs> with every word. I think they need to film a second one. With and you. I would need a sparkly jacket. Regal theaters can, can do their competitive video. Oh, with Uncle Dan? If I, if I start like spouting pablum, just saying something in Hebrew. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. How how we know the answer, but I think it's it will still be a fun reveal for our um, for our audience. How often are you sitting down to lock in for a film these days? I think I overstated it when I told you. Well, we've told a lot of people. <laughs> um, the thing is, the the last few years is the the home dynamic has become a little bit of a we. We were in sync 
most of the last 37 years, um, my husband and I, and like now a lot of the times... Wait, you're gay? No. <laughs> taxes, right, for taxes. <laughs> so, I... Um, yeah, a lot, a no, lot. My husband uh, is uh, right. He's yeah. Um, so, a lot of time it's like, you know, you know, nothing demanding, nothing. Um, just let's just zone out. So, uh, you know, I'm seeing fewer movies in the week, not less, fewer. Um, Roughly, care, how many movies in a week? You care about that fewer versus less? I do because it's so easy. <laughs> What about on? Okay, no, sorry, I want, I want you to answer. No, no. So, so I'll watch two. No, not as few as two on a weekend. I'll watch. <laughs> usually on a weekend, I'll watch three or four. <laughs> that's, yeah, and that's a Friday night, and a Saturday, and a Sunday. Because uh-huh. um, I'm what, not the, the most common double feature, meaning you're watching two in one day. How is that happening? Are they back to back? Are you watching one, matinee and a night morning? That's not so interesting. I mean, not, I'm curious. Yeah, I think it's hard to. I think most people's reaction would be, "How do? You, how are you watching two films in one day? Often? Oh, unless I, you're going to the movie theater I and doing absolutely it. agree when it's like. When people say that they're going to see movies in a theater mm. and they're, you know, doubling up or or, yeah. or or they saw something amazing and then they went to see something else. I'm like, no. Yeah. These yeah. are all rewatches for you? Um, it's just a lower flame at home. Um, did you de- did you do the theater double feature for Barbenheimer? I did not. I did it. I d- we had a and dinner what between... Order? You would have. You, I order? felt strongly that I was right, but the rest of the world seemed to disagree. So I did Barbie, I'm dinner, gonna, Oppenheimer. You did Barbie and then Oppenheimer, which was the right way. Thank you. Everyone yeah. on the internet was saying the opposite, which is that you they, need to they, like. They're, they're babies. They need to be pampered. No, and because to be put to sleep after their the generic the generic answer or the normal answer would be no generic answer would be like you want you know it's something difficult or serious or hard or upsetting or whatever or demanding. And then you want to chill out and have fun. Yeah, I wanted to st- but, stare into the void for the next six hours after Oppenheimer. Yeah. And not be able to sleep. That's what I was going for. And did you get it? I think so. I think this is a good segue into something that we should definitely talk about, which is movies from this past year. Yeah. Um, wait, wait, just right before we leave it. Put a button on it. Your best week of your life, how many movies do you think you saw? Like best, the most, sorry. Like high, highest Your highest PR. movie count in a week, your personal record. He's saying he does four on an average weekend, and then what, one or two during the week? Like, yeah. Do you think you've had a 10-weeker? Ten ten, uh, yes, no. his average is five or six. Of course he's had 10. You for sure had 10. Homesick. 10? Homesick before the days of work from home. Or you can either answer in a week or the most you've done Well, first of all, I never work when I'm supposedly working. I just watch movies all day. This is, this is going on the internet. <laughs> this is entertainment. Uh, so anyone from the, your place of work that's listening understands. Obviously, you're, yeah, you're playing a, a bit. This is a character. Then... Know me, some of them, most of them, if they're lucky. Well, we have a lot of, we have a wide audience, so I'm sure they'll see it. Okay, well, let me think of who in the world I want to talk to right now. Mm, <laughs> this is good. No, there's too many Most people. in a day or most in a week? Just a guess. Um, if I'm saying uh, seven. Okay, 2023. It was a great, miraculous year it really for is, movies. I think it really was. I mean, I know... How much of that is because of the strike? Was stuff well because it was a it was a holdover from um, 
COVID. COVID. I and think then, it was both, to your point. Yeah, 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 yeah. And some even, you know, some things were, were pushed till this year that were supposed to come out. Killers of the Flower Moon, for sure. I think the Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise had them pay the whole staff throughout COVID, and they pushed it. The, like, not that that's a heroic film, but... I think there were That's probably num- a lot. that was number one on my list. Number one on yours. I think it's two, number two on yours. <laughs> yeah, Mission Impossible. Yeah. Mission Impossible. Sure, Rogue, sure. Rogue Reckoning Part One. <laughs> um, but like Dune Two yeah, was yeah. supposed to come out. Yeah, I'm glad and they and that. and we the the Bob Marley way. movie was supposed to come out, and hmm. you know whatever. Um, you so, but I I really think that it was a, for us people who live in the big urban cosmopolitan cities and for those of us who love all kinds of movies there's never a bad movie year did you hear me in seattle there's never a bad movie year (laughs) i honestly my feeling is was if you live here and you like many different kinds i i'm not at the level you're at and there's probably and you never will i never will be (laughs) (laughs) i'm definitely short on foreign films and certain things i got but it did feel that I'm short on a I'm, lot of things yeah, yeah, that yeah. aren't the current thing. That said, may, I don't know what year, maybe 2020, You know what 21. it will say on my tombstone? Well, one of the things it'll say was, he was always shocked. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm always assuming things. That people have seen all the things you've well, seen. Just, whatever. I, I, what do you think that... I've made assumptions about the two of you. The average... In, <laughs> in, in, not sure. More not credit. Sure. <laughs> no, no, no. About movies. <laughs> the, the average... Um, two, that was good. Movie fan... I think 2023 was decidedly better. For the years, for, years for, the, for the it was so it much was really better awesome than year. the last several years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, I without even looking, I mean, so I made a, a list of ten. Then I did a ten runner-up. Then I did the movies that I want to see that I haven't seen. There are like 20, 25 from and this that, year. From this 2023, and then there were. <laughs> Yeah, you'll be done with them by f- end of February. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Was it was a, Don't you think it was a good year? I th- amazing. We've we've spoken about it a few times. You people are so negative. No, no, we're agreeing with we're, you. I know. Um, you texted us the morning the Oscar noms came out that uh, you were ten for ten, which I think is hilarious. On like you had done well because I never because uh, it's always been impossible. And to the guessing other, which ones would win nominated would for best get picture. Nominated. Did no, you no, know no. How, what, how many how many they would nominate? Yeah, I knew that it was it was ten. For most of the history, it was five. In the beginning, it was ten. Then for almost all the, of it, it was five. And then the last several years, it was a sliding scale of seven to ten. It was like seven to nine. They would go with like nine. Are they or eight. like um, diversity, equity, inclusion picks? Like, is it, is that they bump to to counter Oscars so white? Are they including more movies now and well, the reason they went with the larger list was because they were l- dying um, over l- losing the audience and the interest of everyone in the country about movies, but also especially the Oscars. And so they wanted to have a larger list so that people would, so the films would be included that were more mainstream and large, big box office that were acclaimed. But if you narrow it to five, you're not going to get. Yeah. Barbie, right? Totally. I don't I mean, think yeah. this year. I mean, I love Barbie. Has a lot of flaws. It has a, a undeniable, to me, a, obvious greatness. And um, point is, you make it a ten. You can include things like you know the big 
last couple of years they've done that. Okay, and exactly. critically, they got Barbie in this year for that, and they didn't put Greta Gerwig or Margot Robbie in for acting and directing. And that's been, you know... The, but putting the, it in Best Picture at least makes up a little bit. When you get a little too close and you're talking past the I'll mic... Never yeah. do, I'll never work in animation. Uh, so I, I think... <laughs> I saw Spirited Away last night. Which it was my it? first... What's his name? Miyazaki. Miyazaki. It was fantastic. So good. Oh, and it was fa- Okay, wait, we're talking about Barbie and, Bar- and the whole thing, but so... So now I, I want to see several of his movies, and I'm assuming you saw Boy and the Heron, right? I did. And it's fantastic, and it's, it's sad and sweet and it's wonderful. A, it's not like... It's sort of this interesting roll-up of a bunch of his films. It's definitely not the most straight-down-the-middle or easily likable. It's quite complicated, and I think it's worth seeing after you've seen a number of his other films oh, okay. rather than immediately. And Howl's Castle? Howl's Moving Castle I haven't seen. I've heard it's excellent. Okay, I, okay. I would recommend... Have you seen any of them? I've seen Spirited Away. And what's the other one that you love? Oh, but I would highly from? recommend Kiki's Delivery Service I just watched oh, recently. Okay. Lighthearted, but wonderful. Really wonderful. Uh, okay. So uh, I've been... Um, I'm surprised it took you that long. Yeah, I've been off of animation for a while. I you mean, and, I, um, I was deep in it for a long while. First Disney's resurgence whenever it was Little yeah, Mermaid yeah, in the yeah. late 80s, and then Pixar. Yeah. And then years and years and years. And then, well, you and Martin Scorsese, Scorsese, I should say. Oh my say, God! Buddy Someone Marty. needs to like he give did, a definitive how we pronounce that name. I know, Marty. I know. Well, I just yeah, our our, our friend dog, Marty. He I don't know if he saw it recently, but I just saw a clip from Letterbox. Uh, Leo showed him Spirited Away. Yes, I saw. And that. he loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's great. Cool. Anyway, I think an interesting uh, thing we could do here is you could tell us the ten for ten. So you went ten for ten on predicting them. Maybe you do. Tell us what the 10 are, one at a time, how you felt about the movie, if you've seen it, and a brief synopsis, oh. or just how you felt about it, actually. The synopsis other people can find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, so yeah, the, the, just run the, the 10 the nomination? So, okay, so American fiction, man. I, it, I'll say, he has seen, I have not seen. We saw it together, Dan and I. Oh, cool. We saw it together. But please, but we, please no spoilers. Uh, no hard spoilers in general, maybe Absolutely. for the listeners. But I haven't seen this, so and I will. But you know about I it. I know about it. Yeah. So um, it's it's right up my alley. It's a it's a incredibly difficult kind of movie to make, which is a smart satire about social issues that are in the background it's family issues in the foreground it's kick ass every level acting directing writing um beautiful surprises you know and 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 um i think i was sometimes i resist things a little because it's supposed to be what i'm supposed to love ah. and um so i'm like oh yeah yeah uh but I liked it a lot, and thinking about it more afterwards, the more I think about it, the more impressive it is. Cool. And I'm really excited for Cord Jefferson. Uh, and every, yeah. What's Cord Jefferson? Or who? He's the director. Oh, cool. And he's, Jeffrey he was Wright a writer. is a star. He's a TV writer. Okay. A prob- probably a director, too, from TV. In any case. In any case, it's, it's, it's sending up it's about like what do artists, specifically black artists, have to do to 
be uh, be successful and uh, not have to to write or act or whatever in a stereotypical way so that they're accepted and promoted by the industry. What is a film? But or... it's funny and it's smart. It's funny. And funny it's, is a, like, I mean, it's and, smart and it, talking about social issues in a non-cringy way. Next, we have Anatomy of a Fall. Anatomy of a Fall. Did you see it? Still haven't seen it. We talked about it before you got here because I mentioned, I asked Jackson what he would do if his hypothetical roommate, Dylan, was dead when he walked in. Would he call the police? Or would he do something? Andrew said he, one of his primary fears is being framed for a murder he... Or not framed, but being wrongfully committed of a murder he didn't commit. Okay. And that's that's just... The uh, tip of the iceberg that, of the no, movie. That, no, it's just below in my, my list of fears. Um, sitting in a squeaky chair that that makes a farting sound and then not being able to replicate it when someone's like, did you fart? And I'm like, no, it's the chair, but then you can't replicate it. That's how we got there. Okay. Um, Anatomy of a Fall. Anatomy of a Fall is one of those knockout, completely, fully engaging, mesmerizing, completely debunking um, the tropes of the genre film. So you really liked it. That was a lot of words, uh, but it's just like it's a it's a like a, it's a, it's a. Um, courtroom procedural but that's not where it's hard that's not the theme we were talking some years ago like the difference between theme and plot it's like what what is what is he getting at what what is the point what is the purpose what is he trying to say and it's the i don't know like how can you know someone how how can you know yourself how can you what 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 is it about someone's life and if it's if it's investigated you know how can you ever live up to an investigation and come out, you know, ethically alive. Um, Very just, serious drama. It's a not. It's not draining. Okay. It's real. It's amazing. It's extraordinary. Great. It's you got her, who's in two of the most extraordinary movies of who's the year. Who's her? Sandra Hüller. We saw her in uh, Fallen Leaves. Ah. No, you didn't. We did. You in person? No, in the film Falling Leaves. She's not in Falling Leaves. She's in the Zone of Interest. Oh, she's in Zone of Interest. And Sorry. she is in the lead in in uh, I'm I'm I just had got, I just got Alzheimer's. Uh, Anatomy of a Fall. And ten years ago, she was in the only movie my husband ever said he loved, Tony Erdman. So, which, which, which we is talked about. I still need com- to see German. Com- so Anatomy of a Fall is just like you know you know when you've gone to a movie and you're like man. I am in effing good hands. Very worthy of best picture. Masters, and it's the kind of thing that you want to see in a theater because it's the things that I want to see in a theater, other than something that's brilliant, that's generic thing, or the thing that I'm most interested in is: is it a comedy? Is it a thriller? Uh, Is it cinematic? Is it subtitled? I watch. Is it yeah. I watched no it, subtitles um, or, or subtitles you no, wanted? No, if it's subtitles, I want to see it in a theater. Uh, I mean, it makes immersed. it easier. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And, it, and if it's a Just thriller, not um, Angelica, because the top of the chair is cut it off. Yeah, I terrible. watched it uh, hungover on a plane. <laughs> the opposite of a theater. <laughs> I, You saw what on the theater hungover? You're just kidding. No, on a plane. I mean, plane, on a plane, I know. Anatomy of a Fall. You did not. I swear to God. <laughs> can I, can I get a glass of wine? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's keep going. But you also saw Streetcar Named Desire. 
And um, on a be- the, sc- the screen on the back of a modern Delta plane is better than the screens when that movie came out. What is the worst play? What is the single worst film you could see on a plane? If I told you I saw a film on a plane, what would be the most? I remember fighting with people on Facebook a few years ago <laughs> who were telling me that they saw Parasite on a plane. And I was trying to tell them how disrespectful that was. And they <laughs> you and Christopher Nolan. You you know? And who was the guy who complained about the iPads? Uh, Gladiator and The Martian. Awesome. That guy was really, I think it was him. Was the director re- of Gladiator? Yeah, was really upset that Ridley people Scott. Are, Ridley Scott, I think, yeah. was the one who was complaining about kids watching movies on their iPhones. Wait, you really liked Anatomy of a Fall. Loved it. You loved it. So you just strengthened your effing argument, and now there'll be no living with you. Well, now you're just going to only see movies on planes. N- well, actually, so number one plane movie, uh, the internet recently decided is Crazy Rich Asians. Okay. Oh, it's a classic plane it's, movie. It's, oh, it's on every yeah. flight, and it's perfect for the plane. Yeah. And now you know, fall might be second. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, let's keep going. Barbie. Okay. Um, we did Barbie. No. We kind of did Barbie. So, so it's really interesting. You just said that. Hold on. Let's just s- yeah. set the context. You just said the first two films were amazing, basically. Yeah. Are you going to say that about all ten? And No. Okay, so and Anatomy of a Fall is even definitely more amazing than the great American fiction. Oh wow! Okay, I mean, okay. according so that's to me, I, I think that, yeah. but I think these comparisons are helpful. And so Barbie, you 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 thought was impressive. I, I love American Greta fiction Gorwin. is a movie. Huh? American fiction is a movie. Anatomy of a Fall is a film on the film to movie scale. Okay, that's important to understand. Okay, and Barbie is definitely a movie. Movie, and it's super. I love what um, Mark Hermode. Kermode? Kermode. Kermode. Uh, um, British film, big film critic who has podcasts and whatever. Um, he, he says... Um, We're the only podcast. He says they have their cake and eat it too. And I love that because it's, it's a big commercial bubblegum pop culture phenomenon, but it's also subversively, you know, dealing with... Uh, the issues of, fe- of feminism and patriarchy and it's really funny and charming and it's messy and some of it doesn't work but it's extraordinary built out of whole cloth you know Greta Gerwig born filmmaker these wonderful people and and also the maybe the best thing about Barbie was besides the success it brought them all so they'll go on and create great art is all the conversations all over the planet it engendered. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I think I had felt a lot of pressure watching it, like I'm supposed to love it more, or I'm supposed to love it, and am I a girl? I'm not a girl, so how can I love it? <laughs> you, know? you know, but I'm not like... You're closer than half the right. male population. Different, ca- different categories of age and sexuality and gender. And you felt pressure to, to love No, it. I didn't feel pressure, but I was conscious you, of like... You didn't want to dislike it. And I, I did. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, yeah, but I relate to going into a movie and being like, I'm supposed to like this. And if I if I don't like this... Like, I felt that about, a little bit about Bottoms, which oh, I actually did like. I put that on my list but I was of stuff afraid I to. Yeah, yeah. I was afraid to not like. Claire told me it was homophobic because I thought the plot was stupid. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> Seeing it in a big theater with a big audience was half the experience, was half the movie. I, I wore pink. I went to see it in I did not wear pink, because that's very gay. <laughs> um, but, you know, you gotta love that big dance number. You gotta love a lot of it. I, I, I didn't freak out at the last line, because... 
What was the last line? That she's there for every day. Evidently, that's like the thrill of all women in the world when they hear the last line that she's there for her gynecologist appointment. That, that they all screamed and laughed and were, that was the best moment of their life that moment. That one makes sense that that's where the line gets drawn on your yeah. you relating to the movie. <laughs> what is, in your opinion, the best film that Greta Gerwig is either oh, director no or actor in? No question. Francis or Lady Bird? Lady Bird. Wow. No I think, question. I think you have two Team Francis's. I, lo- I love Lady Bird as much as Francis. The Lady mm. Bird is one of my favorite uh, movies. I'm have not... you seen 20th Century Women by I Mike have. Mills? I watched yeah. it recently. Yeah. I really loved it. With my, my dear friend Annette Benning. Annette blew me away. Oh, always. I thought she was. Yeah. I hadn't. I was kind of sleeping on. I wasn't familiar with her game. To, to <laughs> quote our friend Andrew yes, on you Steve Jobs. It. She's been so great so many times, and she's such a great film actress. Nominated for. Best actress for Nyad, I believe. Fifth time. Wow. And I was terrified that she wouldn't be. Yeah. Okay. So so the last thing about Barbie and and, and everyone freaking out and saying like, you know, that everyone in the Academy missed the point of Barbie by nominating Ken Mm. and, 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 and omitting Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig. It's a, um, the preferential ballot. So unless you're getting, ones and twos you're not gonna end up so they all liked it i think and greta is the first director to have their first three films absolutely. be nominated for best picture which well is she's incredible. certainly the only woman yeah and uh i think she might be the first director of anyone is she still with noah Baumbach? yes he co-wrote barbie <laughs> I with you were her gonna say she's still with us <laughs> okay. i actually didn't want to ask you so should anymore. we go do we go yeah back let's to keep going film? let's keep it going we have the holdovers the holdovers my guy your guy. My Alexander Payne. I oh, also I thought... not was was not familiar with his game. First film of his that I ever okay. have ever seen. Okay, so the, so his films um, are the kind of films that I love just the most, you know, the, the you this, there's humanity, there's there's crankiness. Is there a super well-known film yeah, that you would so, oh, sorry, I was going to say, if people haven't seen Alexander Payne's work... you and lecturing you and... If people haven't seen Alexander Payne's work, what, el- what else would you compare him to? Or oh. Who else? For people who were not born maybe yesterday... Maybe a wider audience and people who were born, maybe not yesterday, but probably born in the last 30 years. Oh, so I can't say Billy Wilder. A younger audience, <clears throat> yeah. Well, uh, the movies of the last... Um, Wes Anderson... Hmm. switched he got more and more to me i like that i, I like where this is going yeah I we, mean, we saw asteroid city together and you weren't super pleased you said esoteric titty <laughs> <laughs> i just read wesley morris's review of the holdovers on the way here and i love what he said about the movie and i love what he how he described how the two directors tones and careers and films switched and switched places over the the 30 years huh um but is there what, an older west film that you think is very alexander payne like um well rushmore has a, has has a lot of sweet and cool. sour i love rushmore yeah it's I wonderful like rushmore holdovers uh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. totally before um alexander payne is for my favorite writer director is Billy Wilder, and he's from the classic era. And Billy Wilder and Alexander Payne and others, Noah Baumbach, 
they 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 see the pain and the difficulty of the world but the beauty of human connection it's never saccharine it's never sentimental it's never mm. corny it's always smart it's never pandering it's always character driven and that's where Doa Bombach I think also reminds me I've only seen the holdovers but what you're this even Rushmore some of this Noah Bombach reminds me of quite a bit too yeah what's the, similar yeah if for those who did see the holdovers it, what's the next is it sideways the next Alexander Payne film I should watch or they should or watch election those, those are the two those are the well, two big ones well um Nebraska is is, is uh, he's Nebraska yeah did you see oh, Nebraska? no no but you had recommended it yeah 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 about Schmidt, I love because it was shocking, because Nicholson was shocking in it, because he played a schlub hmm. brilliantly, and hmm. it was very moving. Cool. But anyhow, I love Alexander Payne, and uh, Election is a great satire, but I would say Sideways. And do you think... And, and Sideways is probably his, I think, his best movie... And Holdovers is excellent, and maybe I'll think it's as great as I w- wish it is, wish it were. Uh, I was always, and I like it more now thinking about it, but maybe it'll be better. Do you think Paul Giamatti will win Best Actor? I do, cool. but it's certainly close. Yeah, he was him, amazing. Him and Killian. And Killian. Uh, That's how you say you say. It's sorry, definitely Killian. Killian, not Lychee Lychee you, which was unclear if. It's Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy. He's, he is uh, Barry Keoghan. Yeah, Barry Keoghan. Uh, any chance the holdovers wins Best Picture in your no movie? none. I, I think that that was up there as like uh, a that rumbling. That was the third one. That was it. Was the holdovers, we'll American Fiction, and Oppenheimer. Okay, like let's that. let's keep going. We okay, have okay, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes. So, um. Three and a half hours in a theater. I, so I did, did subject I, was, myself. Was to it. it you? Or maybe I, I posted um, somewhere else and also in our chat that I said I was glad that I took off January 2nd because <laughs> I saw Killers of the Flower Moon and I am exhausted. It was a tiresome but, film. But no, I think, it's, I think it's, there's a lot of greatness in it and I can't help but wonder um, why, how I would have felt if he didn't change the perspective and the focus from Jesse, Clem- Jesse Plemons' FBI, because that was the focus in the, in the novel. Oh, you read it? I did not read. Oh, okay. But, but it was a lot of endless, like the evil white man. Yeah. Killing- and apparently I had heard that Jesse Plemons' character was very central to the novel from yeah. a, like, um, and that's making the char- it compelling. Yeah, that was the character that Leo was supposed to play, but Leo wanted to Leo like like we're having lunch tomorrow. Yeah, um, him and Marty, they'll be there. Yeah, so talking he, about Spirited Away, right? So he they'll come on to, episode forty five. We'll play the back. other one, the other role. Strange, uh, Jesse Plemons, amazing actor, and clearly the spiritual successor of one of my favorites, Philip Seymour Hoffman. So I could have oh, used more of him in that movie. But. Oh, Phil, I call him Phil. We'll have to do a Philip Seymour Hoffman loved to pod have, someday. Oh my God! Amazing. List. Have you seen Capote? No. Of course you have. Added not. to my list this week, actually. Uh, somebody I know on Letterboxd rewatched it, but I, I adore him. So what are we talking about right now? We're talking about so Killer. so so it was draining and and um and I get tired sometimes more easily at home. It was kind of and just it was a, a lot of sadness and it was evil. It's a bummer. And it was it was Which, dra- I, why was it? I I don't know because he did you see it? No. 
Um, it, it's also, I mean, without her, man, yeah. I would not have seen it in one sitting. It, she, I, I think it she clearly was, was an soul, heart and soul. It was, it was an. I understand why he made it. I understand why it was important to make. It, it's just, just hard. Wanted to love it, and it's three and a half hours is a lot to ask of anyone. I think for a film. Oh, an excellent point. Because yeah. my wonderful young colleague, so I did not knock over two things, just one. Um, she said, "Yeah, no movies should no movies should be longer than three hours." And I thought, well, no. Good movie is too long and no bad movie is too short. But three and a half hours. Magnolia, that, how long is Magnolia? Three hours and ten minutes? Like yeah. over three, three and a half hours is kind of... I also kinda... think we're at the, the peak of the importance of the length of the film for it to have maximum impact. Yeah. All right. Say so the whole thing again. Attention spans are yeah. all, all time low. Oh, oh I think yeah. if you want... I think it... Uh, you can fight against it by by saying, no, I'm going to make the art I want to make. But it's a fact of, of the universe now. And like uh, you're... you're, you're going up against something else that I could watch that's shorter. And that's one of the many many reasons why Oppenheimer is going to win Best Picture. We'll get there. But but mm. it's amazing that it's so compelling despite it being so long. Yeah, yeah, that is a good Consistently count. Consistently compelling. That, that didn't, Oppenheimer did not feel long to me. No. Yeah, we'll get there. Let's talk about Maestro before we... I don't well, think either of us saw Maestro. No, although, you talked me out of it, Dan, yeah, unintentionally. You... <laughs> I was about to see it in theaters. You convinced me you should see this movie in theaters. Please see it in theaters. Yeah. And then you sent... Somewhere between five and five thousand things that I should <laughs> be familiar Bernstein links. that I should be familiar with about Bernstein. Critically, I'd called him Bernstein, and you're like mistake one. One other member of our group, shout out Kurt. I, I don't think he listens to this podcast. He's he wonderful. He also loves classical music. He effing better. You guys went back and forth for a handful of days, and I made the mistake of asking for where I could go learn more about Bernstein and it was overwhelming and I ducked out and didn't do it. So I didn't see it. Either. Yeah, it's fine. When I, whenever I see a video review of Maestro and if they mispronounce his name, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. They don't I'm say like, his name in the movie? No, in the re- video. Sure. But I could, I could see how someone like me wouldn't know going in, but they're not, I'm not going to learn his name in the movie. Oh, that's a great question. Of course, they say his name in the movie, but Maybe there's, they just there's call a Lenny, lot. There's like a, a lot of yeah, but a lot of ignorance. And um, well, it's it, it's my it's the movie I'm most. It's the divisive movie of the year. Well, actually. I think notably, it is a film by a huge movie star whose directorial debut was an utter sensational success, basically super wide. Everyone loved it, and he follows it up mm, with. Yeah. Presumably a film that's going to be super hyped up about a historical person who normally you don't need to know everything about a historical person to like the thing. And it seems not only polarizing, at least from what I've gathered, even amongst critical people, not loved, but clearly for someone like you and for Kurt, who had familiarity with it, seemingly loved it. So I'm curious, were there specific choices? Is it really just, was it a movie for Lenny lovers? Like what, how do you think about it? It's, um... I'm obsessed with Bernstein. Uh, I love everything about him, and I love Bradley Cooper, and I love Carrie Mulligan. So we start with that. But I'm obsessed with Bernstein, and I've only become more so over the years and decades. And there were so many attacks before, during, and before the movie came out, long before and, and after, and there was a lot of it should have been this and it should have been that. And how dare they not, 
show more of his career and how dare they not make have it be all about all his like gay affairs and this is this is and I and I said and I always think it's like if you want to you could make 20 movies about Leonard Bernstein and he made this, this is one. the movie that he wanted to make he wanted to and the family is completely uh in love with what he did and he the 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 the, the spine that stood out to him about this most covered you know classical figure and theater figure in the 20th century because there's tons of books and videos and films and documentaries and etc tv shows he wanted to talk he wanted to make a movie about the complicated relation marriage yeah that was loving the cost of being the movie is about the one of the things the movie is about is the cost to oneself and to the others of being that much a superstar. Is there anyone? I, I know I keep asking this hard question. Is there anybody you would recommend this to that isn't a Bernstein? Megan McCain said, "Who the fuck is this movie for? Who is it for? And other I than said, you? Well, it's maybe for, it's for you. It's for people who well." I mean, you see it, and then you might want to know about him. Mm. Um, it's gorgeously uh, cinematic and moving, and uh, the whole thing—the attack on him before with the with the prosthetic nose. You know, that was the biggest thing on the internet hmm. of twenty twenty three. Yeah, like the whole world came out against him. Because he's not because he's not Jewish, playing a Jew, wearing a prosthetic nose. Bernstein was a great-looking man That's, with a big nose. That was the worst attack against the Jews in 2023. <laughs> was it? <laughs> so All right. well, I, I, maybe I I'll watch it on about, a plane. Yeah, to walk it, watch it on a watch it on a watch. <laughs> I'll watch it in the Vision Pro. But we got to talk about that later. But, but. When, but afterwards, thinking about how how much I loved it. I don't know when I realized, but I, I like I sadly realized, oh, people will definitely need context for this. Yeah, yeah. Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer. I look forward to seeing again. You liked it was so um, well. It was mesmerizing. It was rich. It was challenging. I knew I wasn't grasping everything in it, but I was very aware that I was completely engaged. Um, your podcast that you did on Barbenheimer, I thought was amazing. Thank you. Uh, and I thought what you were saying, all three of you, but especially you, about Oppenheimer, I was like, man. Well, we'll link to that. People can go watch it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Sorry. I'm going to I'm gonna leave. All right. Um, we all three of us love Past Lives. Oh, I love a Past perfect, Lives. A perfect, sublime movie. People who saw it at home had less of an experience. Airplane people, even less. People, airplane even less. People who saw it early in its run in the theater... I was I saw it really early. At you Angelica. saw it before I did. Yeah. And I after I saw it, I said I love walking into a theater expecting to see something great, and even better is walking out with yeah. expectations yeah. met. Yeah, yeah. I, I love you guys. Thank you both for. We'll see you uh, next time. Yeah. Um, okay, so Oppenheimer and Past Lives probably the most seen, at least for our demographic, of this podcast. So I don't think we need to spend too much time on those. But as you said, Past Lives. People are seeing have seen past lives. That's great. I think maybe not like I mean of this list. To be super frank with you, I think the majority of listeners have probably only seen Barbie and Oppenheimer. Right, for sure. Um, 
But past lives, I think, had a little bit of a moment. And for younger people, I think was pretty common. And, and it's and it, and it really gets under your skin because it's getting at things beyond like the three of them, their relationships. It's really yeah. gets to like like the road, like what would have happened and the road you didn't take and the road you took. Also, I think it was an easy. I fell madly in love. It was. I I, I don't want to say riveted like there was effort. I was just like moved, deeply moved. I'm a, I'm a sucker for the passage of time. I love the before trilogy. I loved mm-hmm. um, the worst person in the world and past lives. I think also, frankly, the two best movies of the year for me were Oppenheimer and Past Lives, which are obviously very different. But uh, I was excited to see Past Lives get the nomination. Oh, We've, I would have been pissed you, off and surprised. Pretty amazing. I mean, all things considered, directorial debut. She had a twenty four behind her, but still quite cool for Celine Song. Yeah, it's it's a stunning movie. Highly recommended. I mean, it wouldn't probably have been nominated if it was the old days with only five, which would have been really sad, maybe. Mm, yeah, you're right. Uh, maybe it wouldn't have been included. It would have been definitely sad. So, the en- the yeah. ending of that, you know, is filmed right down on uh, in the East Village on, on first, uh, between First and Second Avenue, I think. Do you remember that image with the two kids and like, He's when they're going, still in Korea? He's, yeah, he's yeah, going amazing, up. And she, amazing. She, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I really loved it. I uh, highly, highly recommend that one if people haven't seen it. We have two more. You Have you seen Poor Things? I was thrilled that I loved it. Okay, okay. Um, I loved it. And I thought, I was pretty sure I would like it, but I was thrilled that I loved it. Cool. And I was, I, I've never loved fully loved a Yorgos Lanthimos film before I haven't seen all of them but I've seen a few and um this yeah your and favorite so I've only seen my, The Lobster I've heard The Favorite is also excellent but those are the kind of the three that are known in English language and The Killing of a Sacred Deer yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I haven't seen that which yet. I haven't seen but very um, weird historically and this yeah. is probably his most maybe the favorite from what I've heard about it but probably his most accessible yeah, it's and it's also, I just have to say, in this terrible, like, neo-Cold War, button-down, excruciatingly terrified time, it was just great to see this orgy of ecstatic <laughs> artistry and craziness. And you love Mark Ruffalo in it, I assume. I loved Mark Ruffalo yeah. in almost everything, and especially this. He was and wild. I, I, I was... I, po- I posted uh, in our t- yeah, chat yeah, 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 yeah. because because um, Willem Dafoe got the SAG nomination, yeah. and I just thought also a good performance. It, it was an excellent performance, but but Mark Ruffalo, like Emma Stone, went way out on a limb, totally. like crazy physical Could have comedy been a disaster, yeah. and it w- was beyond completely successful totally. and and thrilling to see him do something that we've never seen him do her as well to see her do that i I mean i'll tell you i prior to this was a little not out on emma stone but i don't she's already won an oscar if with this shoot it would be this is far and away this is it's not even close i i actually this is controversial but i i thought lily gladstone was excellent i thought this was a more compelling performance yeah but you'll understand i mean it's happened a million times and i think it would be amazing but right emma stone in this was I don't think I've ever seen any an acting performance like this. And it's like this great team. Yeah. They've already done another movie together. Yeah, that's cool. 
Um, the favorite, I, I saw it twice. As I've said to you, anything with Olivia Coleman is <sighs> is going to have amazing. Did you see Col- the Bear, the TV show? No. Because it's on the wrong platform. Oh, yeah. But she's I, I been loved in a million she, things. She has a cameo in that. And she's blow me away. brilliant. And and the, the favorite fell apart for me at the end both times. Um, this, I just can't wait to see it again. Um, it was so funny, so moving, so beautiful, so surprising. Uh, people who have problems with, you know, sex are going to have problems with it. Um, it was just thrilling to see that level of artistry and achieved bold. just really bold lots of risk taking yeah so you nailed that when you said for the acting and for the film there are just so many ways and i don't think it was perfect i think the ending was a little iffy right but there were just so many ways it could have been a disaster right and it wasn't which was cool last but not least we have okay, the interest. one that i that i was vacillating on seeing and not seeing for months and i was pretty sure i wasn't going to see it but because of a couple of uh, one critic who I really am growing to hate, who gave it a bad review, and um, a friend of mine who I really trust who said, you know, I know you don't want to see it, but there's no on-screen violence or suffering, and you won't see a better film this year. And because Andrew felt like there was something missing for it. Yeah, he saw it prior to you. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh, man. Also, for for maybe for the viewers' context and partially for mine, I know it's like a Holocaust adjacent film, but I actually, at first, I thought it was a documentary. It's it's a narrative. It's film. a narrative film. What is the basic premise? I'll give you the very basic premise, and I asked Andrew if he had seen Holocaust films before, and I hope he wasn't offended. He said, "Of course," <laughs> and then he listed five, one or two of them I do not consider Holocaust films. Okay. I mean, I. I don't consider, and there are others he didn't mention, like the great comedies he mentioned, and I'm just going to forget the name of it, um, 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 with Scarlett Johansson. Um, um, oh, the, 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 the Rabbit? The, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Jojo yeah, Rabbit. Yeah, that's not a Holocaust film. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a Nazi film-ish, but not No, it's really, a yeah. wonderful, it's, send, you know, it's attacking it's from a different satire. place. Yeah, yeah. And I could talk for a long time about the great satires, uh, and comedies that 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 debunk and and destroy Hitler. However, yeah, and glorious bastards. Right, but I'm I'm talking Charlie Chaplin. I'm talking mm. Ernst Lubitsch. I'm talking Mel Brooks with the producers. Um, to be or not to be, Ernst Lubitsch, uh, the great dictator. Anyhow, so um, this is because. I, it's been a rough several years, and how much more? And it's been a excruciating few months. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of Holocaust films, so this is a the story of the film is about it's a true story. Of, uh, um, Rudolf Hess, who was the uh, uh, commandant at uh, Auschwitz. Uh, he, he lived his he had his home was right the wall of Auschwitz was the wall of his garden and his home so it's about I'm not going to do air quotes but so it's first of all about the banality of evil it's also about the complicity of evil uh-huh. it's also about what people will ignore and 
and want so that they could have their happy little lives despite that it's just over the wall. And you can see in here. The There's story is the, the story is told orally, which is one another reason to see it in a theater. It was easily as powerful and as shocking as any Holocaust film I've ever seen. Wow. And to make it even more of um underscore the point of the movie, I was I'm often shocked and I was shocked we sat down and a couple sat down right in front of us with their big bucket of popcorn. I'm like, you're gonna eat a bucket of popcorn at the zone of effing interest? I think there's probably a little bit of it out. doubt. I was told about how that's fine. I didn't know anything about I mean I guess I knew yeah. I knew it was so gonna now, be hard. And it and it's and it's um the ending the uh, the whole thing is um so I that's all I can't say it any better than that. Oh, I, 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 that's I, you know, a, I hate that's a strong recommendation. Oh, it's so of this list you have it's stunning. It sounds like for you at least, along with and there were other movies that I loved that aren't nominated. Totally, but, but yeah. it sounds like Zone of Interest, Poor Things. I mean, it really, it sounded like you really loved or at least liked. Almost all of them, maybe outside of Killers of the Flower Moon and a little mixed on Barbie. I wrote all this down, and I should look at it. I, yeah, so was, of the of the ten, the five that are my favorite and or I think are the greatest. Uh, oh, these aren't the nominees. These are just top ten films. So Anatomy of a Fall, Maestro, Past Lives, Poor Things, Zone of Interest. Cool, cool. And if you and you pick Oppenheimer one? is a lot of work. And I think it's a great, great movie, and um, I look forward to living with it over the years. And so, you, when it wins, let's say seven Academy Awards, including be Best great. Picture, you're not—you have no yeah. issues with that. Uh, the only issue is when there's no surprises. So hopefully, yeah. Paul Giamatti will win. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. I'm really excited to see Anatomy of a Fall after and American Fiction. Both sounded quite great. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I'm finally learning, and I'm finally believing. That people are allowed to like what they like. I'm excited. It sounds like you guys, Andrew's going to help you launch a letterbox account. So I'm excited. Maybe we can shout that out when this episode comes out. Sounds good. This was wonderful. This was so great. Thank you for coming. We'll have to have you on next time. Thank you for coming yeah. to my podcast. Well, uh, <laughs> we have a star in the making. Active interrupting. But we didn't really. So that was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, we, well, I'm sure we did. It was a play on... Yeah, we're trying yeah. to be active listeners in our first couple of episodes. Do you know who, which film director is like, embodies is like the quintessence of like overlapping dialogue? Mm. Who like put that? Like, um, well, I think of like the social network with the pace of um, Sorkin, and, but that's not a director. I don't know who. Okay. Robert Altman. I don't know. Who, what has he made? Um, Nash, Nashville, The Player. Shortcuts. You've recommended both uh, Mash and McCabe Nashville and to me explicitly. Middle. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I will watch. But, but, um, yeah, the studios were like, you must die and stop making this movie this way. And he's like, nope, we're making it this I way. I love that. And then that... it was a massive hit, Mash. The, um, the, the reason I brought up the social network is this. Haven't you this... ever seen a movie where, like, somebody says a line and it's like, and then the phone rings? Or that, it's just a pace. 
boom, it's boom, a, boom. I love classic films, but they're, they're, it was beca- they some of them became calcified in their style. Yes, yes, which is why I think a lot of people struggle to watch older films. Is the pace is different, and they right. the younger people they it, it's hard for them to right, kind right, of right. buy in. All right, yeah. all right. This, this is awesomeness.